going to start with a little video clip, so have a look at this, please. I guess you could say that, yeah, I'm a fishing fanatic. I think about it most of the day. It's almost like that's what I've been put on this earth for. You know, fishing. When I was a youngster, I was taught how to catch fish. Since then, it's been pretty well the focus of my life. Yeah, I'm all about fishing. I've spent thousands of dollars on equipment. I've got waders, jackets, reels, lures, you name it, I've got it. I even make my own flies. I've studied up on the fish. I know where they go. I know when they're biting. I know what bait they like. I think like a fish thinks. I watch all the fishing shows on TV. I even met some of those guys. You know, they're no different than you and I, other than they've got their own show. They put their waders on one foot at a time, the same as we do. Yeah, fishing. What's that? How many fish have I caught over the years? I haven't caught any. I don't actually go fishing. Nah, that's not for me. Too messy, too much work. I'll let someone else catch them. But I know a lot about fishing. Yep, me and the boys, we go up to the lodge and talk about fishing all weekend. video of course ridiculous to spend so much time and effort and money on fishing without ever going out to fish and yet for me watching a vid- that video is quite uncomfortable because as Christians it's exactly what we do isn't it we talk about sharing our faith with others we read about it in the bible and in other books We listen to those who share how they have led others to the Lord. We invest so many resources to equip us for this work. And yet often we stay in the relative safety and comfort of our own Christian communities. We don't go out into this world. We don't reach out to the lost. We don't lead people to God. We're like fishermen who don't like to fish. Of course, we know that this isn't Jesus' plan for his church. Today, we are getting back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure you remember last year we looked at the Beatitudes and learned what a truly blessed life looks like. We were challenged to be different in our attitudes, different from the world in our attitudes to others, to, to God and to ourselves. But this different life that we've been called to is not just to be lived for our benefit. We have been given a crucial assignment. Jesus has called us to be an influence for good in this world. And we're going to read uh, our next little section in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 down to verse 16 uh, together. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, 
How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. As we saw last week, eh, last year, sorry, although others were listening to this sermon that Jesus gave up in that mountainside, it was first of all directed to Jesus' disciples. This is what it starts the, uh, the start of this chapter, verse one and verse two. He went up in a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And so Jesus is teaching here. Not how to become a disciple of Jesus. But his main focus is how to live as a disciple of Jesus. What should it be like if we're living as a disciple of of Jesus? And so when he said, you are the salt, you are the light. He was talking to those who had accepted him as their Lord and their Saviour. And so if that's true of us. As it is. If we've put our faith in Jesus, then this is who we are. As God's chosen people, members of his family, citizens of heaven, part of the body of Christ, we are salt and light. This is part of our new identity in Christ. Now that means that we're distinct from the rest of this world. From the earth and from the world as Jesus talks about in these verses. Yes, we live in this world. We live beside all those who have not yet trusted in Jesus. And in many ways our lives just look very similar. We go to work, drive our cars, pay our bills, look after our homes, enjoy our time off, care for our families, just like they do. But if we've trusted in Jesus, then we're distinct from the rest of the world. Not because we are better than them, but because we're forgiven. Not because of our goodness, but because we've received the grace of God. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done in us. Jesus said to his disciples, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. And so what Jesus is calling us to do here is not to become something that we're not. This isn't about changing who we are. This is not about becoming something that we're not not yet. Rather, it's about living out our new identity in him. Here he is calling us to live as salt and light because in Christ, that is who we already are. He's calling us to live differently from this world because in him we are different from it. But although we're called to be different from the world, we mustn't be isolated from the world. 
In his prayer before going to the cross, Jesus prayed this to his Father. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Just at Christmas there, we have been celebrating the first part of this verse, haven't we? God sending his Son into this world with a mission to impact this world for, for, for God. But in the same way, we've been sent to influence those around us and impact their lives. This is what being salt and light is all about. Despite God's people being the poor, as we read in the the Beatitudes, the mourners, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure, the peacemakers, even the persecuted, Jesus believes that we can have an influence in this world. He believes that we can have an influence for good in this world. So what is that influence? Well, first of all, we are called to delay the decay in this world. You are the salt of the earth. There are a number of different uses for salt. And it's not immediately clear initially what which Jesus was referring to here. For example, Job chapter 6 says, Is tasteless food eaten without salt, or is there flavour in the white of an egg? I'm sure many of us, if we've been trying to cut down on salt, because we're told we eat too much of it, we know that that just takes away some of the flavour of that food. And so some people have suggested that Jesus meant that we add flavour to this world. That we're supposed to bring joy and enthusiasm and passion to this world as people who have been given life to the full. And it's an interesting suggestion and it's a very interesting thought about whether we do that or not. But for me, I think Jesus was talking more about the the preserving influence of salt here. Before refrigeration, and I'm sure we don't, uh, none of us remember that those days. Salt was used as the primary method of preserving meats and other foods. It was so effective, if you remember your science classes, because of osmosis. Anybody remember osmosis? High concentrations of salt. Water is drawn out of the the microbial cells uh, by osmosis and that stops any bacterial growth. Now, I don't know if it tastes very nice after you stick so much salt in, but it actually preserves the meat. Sometimes for years and years. But it's not just food that decays in this world, is it? This world itself has a tendency to moral and spiritual decay. Paul described that downward decline in his letter to the Romans, especially in that first chapter of Romans. There's a, there's a very drastic and very uh, impacting description of the, of the decline of humanity. For example, in verse 28 it says this, Since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They become, sorry, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. And we don't just need to take Paul's word for it, do we? 
we see the evidence of this all around us, don't we? Newspapers are full of it. Put on the TV and you'll see reports of it, one after the other. And you'll not only see it being reported on, you'll also see it being celebrated as entertainment. In this world, there are many who call evil good and good evil. They've turned God's standard of what is right and wrong upside down. But Jesus doesn't want us just to stand back and passively watch all the spiritual and moral decay happen. Instead, as the salt of the earth, he wants us to halt this decline. He wants us to have a preserving influence on our communities. To restrain the descent into wickedness. To influence those around us to reject the immorality and the depravity around them and instead seek to live a different kind of life. A life that's consistent with God's standards. A life that is pleasing to Him. A life that we've been all been created to live. And in this little passage, Jesus doesn't go into the, the details of how He expects us to do that or how we should do this. But the clear idea of Saul is that in order to have an impact, it has to have contact. If salt is going to be going to preserve meat, then you need to get it out of that container and rub that salt right into the meat. It doesn't do any good in that salt shaker. And if we as God's people are going to influence this world, then we need to get out there in the world. We need to get close to people. Rub shoulders with them. Live alongside them. Share our lives with them. And influence them. Through our example. Through our values. Through what we're looking for in our lives. How we're living. And also through our priorities. But what Jesus focuses on here is that we'll only have this preserving influence if we stay salty. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, salt can't lose its saltiness. Salt is sodium chloride. Back to school again. So it can't lose its saltiness. But what could happen in Jesus' day was that salt was often collected through the evaporation of seawater. Especially out of the Dead Sea, which was very salty water. But if that salt was contaminated with impurities and the more soluble sodium chloride was washed away, then what you'd be left with was a a white powder that looked like salt. Maybe people still called it salt. Maybe even sold it as salt. But it didn't taste like salt. And it didn't act like it. It didn't have any of the properties of salt. It couldn't have any influence, any impact. And that was worthless. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. What's the point of salt if it doesn't act as salt? If it's not salty? And in a similar way, Jesus is very challengingly saying, 
if we as Christians allow ourselves to be contaminated with this world, if we lose our distinctive character, if we move away from those attitudes and that behaviour that is described in the sermon, if we move away from the attitudes described in those Beatitudes, then on the surface we might look the same. We might call ourselves the same. But we'll no longer be salty. We'll no longer have that preserving influence on those around us. We'll no longer delay the moral decay in our society. We'll no longer having a restraining influence on those who are around us. We'll be useless to them. Maybe this should question, make us question when we see our society decline. Rather than pointing the finger at them, maybe this should make us question ourselves as the church. It's not the world that's supposed to have the preserving influence. It's the churches. So maybe if many of us have, have said, and I've heard loads of people say, look at the way the world's going. Well, maybe we should be looking at ourselves more than pointing the finger at others. Our influence on those around us depends on our distinctiveness from them. If we are going to serve our society, then we need to be remain different from them. We need to become increasingly Christ-like. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We can't do this world any good if we're just living just like them. We can only do them good if we're living like Jesus. The second picture that Jesus uses here, of course, is that we're called to dispel the darkness. You're the light of the world. This world is in darkness because of their sin and the rebellion against God. Paul says that humanity are, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. And this world has been blinded by Satan who works to keep humanity in the dark. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. This means that they're stumbling in the dark without the right direction in their lives, without a clear revelation of who God really is and without the salvation that they so desperately need. But we have been sent into this dark world to shine. You are the light of the world. <coughs> now clearly we can't be the source of this light. That's impossible, isn't it? Because we also used to walk in darkness, just like everyone else. We needed somebody to come and to shine the light of God's truth into our lives. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He is the only one who is the source of that light, who has that light in of himself. He is the only one who can truly dispel the darkness in this world and in our hearts. 
But if we have chosen to accept Him into our lives, then the light of Jesus' love and life will shine out from us into this dark world. And Jesus said that this will happen through our good deeds. These good deeds are simply everything that we do and everything that we say because of our commitment to Christ. They are every visible expression of our faith. Every act of love to others. Every time we share God's truth with others. Every time we take a stand and choose to live in a way that's pleasing to God in front of others. All of that are our good deeds. And that's what shines in this world. And if we live like this, then Jesus said, we will praise your Father in heaven. People won't praise us if we're shining the light as we should. Because we are not the source of that light. They all know that we are just filthy, rotten sinners just like them. But instead they will praise our Heavenly Father. The one who loved us when we were still sinners. When we were still lost in darkness. The one who rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of His Son. That's why they'll praise our Father. Because we'll share with them the, the reason why our lives are different. But I don't think Jesus is implying that everyone will like the light that we shine into their lives. Some will be offended by that light. Some will even be angered by that light. In John chapter 3, it says this, Men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Some people would rather live in the darkness in this world than in come into the light of Christ because they don't want to face up to the reality of their sinful and selfish hearts. It's hard walking in the light, isn't it? Because when we come into the light of God's presence, we see just how rotten we are at our core. All of our houses look spotless when you keep the light off. Switch a a light on and you see the bits that we haven't cleaned. And if you put a really high powerful light on, you'll see even clearer. So some people like the darkness. Some people don't like the fact that we are shining that light into their lives. And so it's natural that we could be tempted to hide our light. To keep our faith, our Christian faith quiet and invisible. So we can avoid those, those uncomfortable confrontations with people. So we could escape any persecution. Or even just so that we could have an easier, a quieter life. It's easier just to be a quiet, invisible, silent Christian in this world. But to do that would go against God's purpose for his church. Jesus said that nobody would light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be a ridiculous 
Because it would stop the lamp from fulfilling its purpose of being. The purpose for the lamp is to shine light. If you stop it shining the light, it's not living up to what it's called to be. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's the reason why you light it. That's its purpose in the house. And in the same way, Jesus hasn't lit the lamp of his truth and life in our hearts for it to be hidden from those around us. He hasn't lit that lamp in our lives for us just to stay within the confines of our Christian community and hide that from the world. Remember back when we were looking in Isaiah just at the end of last year? We saw that our Lord was called to be a light for the Gentiles. That he might bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Well, God's plan is that his community of his people will continue that mission of bringing this light into this world and drawing men and women and young people out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's to follow in his calling, in his mission, and his purpose. We are to be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It stands out. Even in the dark, the lights of that city can be seen from miles around. And that's what God's people are called to be. To stand out in this world. To be a visible expression of His truth and His holiness and His love and His mercy and His grace and His life in this dark and dying world. So if we try and hide who we are and what we believe from this world, then we just stop being the people that God has called us to be. The mission of being a light to the world is right in the very heart of what we're called to do and to be as Christians. You can't uh, sign up for Christianity without being salt and light. It's not an optional extra. It's at the very heart of what it means to follow Jesus. So this is the influence that Jesus wants us to have in this world. As the salt of the earth, we are to have a preserving influence on a society through living in this world by different standards and morals and values. By being Christ-like. As the light of the world were to shine the light of of Christ into the hearts and minds of those around through living actively and visibly for Jesus. And this is true of all of us who have trusted in Jesus. It doesn't depend on our age, or our spiritual maturity, or our Bible knowledge, or our spiritual gifts, or our personality, or our health status, or our marital status, or anything to do with our life. This is who Jesus has made all of us to be. And this is what Jesus has called all of us to do. Our choice 
Simply whether we're going to accept God's call in our life or not. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I wonder if we're willing to get out there and influence this world for him.